Okay, pleased to be joined here by Max Lee. He contributes to the Prospect Network. Howdy, Max. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I uh, I've had the uh, the five dollar footlong jingle stuck in my head because I've been rewatching Infinity <laughs> and the scene where where Chang sells the gang out and then uh, and then he starts sing, singing the jingle. It's it's been stuck in my head all day. So I'm happy for a reprieve from that. Yeah, I got to get a few songs stuck out of my head now. Just listen to the same <laughs> ones over and over. <laughs> it's it's that damn earworm it uh, it'll get you so uh max how long have you been writing about following scouting hockey oh uh, you know i kind of started in early 2018 i think january and um you know i didn't really get serious or really know what i was talking about until you know later in that year and um you know about few, you know a few months ago six months ago um, me and some of my buddies started up uh, the Prospect Network. I started writing there, so you know, not not too long. Oh, I didn't realize that the uh, the Prospect Network was actually something that you had founded and, and were picking up off the ground. So that's uh, that's rather industrious on your part. You know, you make your own home and, and really create it. Yeah, you know, my um, my bar- buddy Ben Missfield runs it. You know, he's um, he's the owner, but we got a good group of guys working there. That's cool. Uh, so what is your main area of focus? I like to focus on the draft. Um, you know, I focus on this draft and a few before or after too. So I like looking at like 2020, 2021 and 2022. And specifically, I really like looking at goalies. That's kind of another thing I look at. Um, you know, just I have a background. I'm, I play goalies. So I like, you know, analyzing that sort of thing and, you know, give my opinions on it. Right, so you're you're a glutton for punishment. You uh, you've been eating rubber for your actual playing uh, playing style, and now you're you're eating the barbs of everyone online because people have love to have their opinions. Yeah, COVID ended my career, so now I'm just <laughs> watching scouting. Fair enough. So I really wanted to have you on because you wrote an article. The two reasons why there are so many goalie busts in the first round, and this like totally speaks to me I have this stance on I never want to pick goalies high uh, can I can I regale you with my my terrible fantasy hockey story of of how I landed upon this conclusion oh yeah go for it I want to hear this okay so yeah like my experience with it is I've been doing dynasty fantasy leagues for a little over a decade now but pr- pretty early on one of my leagues 2012. I trade Daniel Sedin for three firsts. It includes the number two pick and the number 20 pick in that draft. And then I get a future first. Like I, I got pretty good value. And I'm all in on Alex Galchenyuk in that draft. As it turns out, not a very good draft. But I also think I need a goalie in my system. And Vasilevsky, that's, that's the year he goes 19 in the NHL draft. And Malcolm Subban goes 22, I think. And then Oscar Dansk is kind of my next best guy. And he goes 31 to the Blue Jackets. And so it goes, I think he goes number 10 in our draft. And I'm picking at number 20. And then I panic and I trade up to number 14 to get the next best thing. And like, I just committed just about every sin of draft value that you could think of. Like, I traded a star in his prime. 
I drafted for need. I panicked when the guy that I really wanted went, and then I chased the next best thing. I traded up to fill that position. And then I did the the cliche thing where you already picked a skater in the draft. So you feel like now you can take a swing on a goalie. And like, I ended up taking Connor Hellebuck, who was a way better goalie outside the top 100 in that draft. So I just, I told myself, I, I, I started diving into like, how often do these goalies hit? And it's like 50% in the first round goalies hit. And it's like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. So one of the things I looked at is how often goalies end up busting out. And the rate I got over the past 24, 20 years is only 46% of the goalies taking the first round turn out to be solid NHL players. And, you know, I talked a lot about how there, there were two things that kind of contributed to that. And it was like a lot of the goalies play in the CHL and also overperformed inter- international performances. And those are the two things I really looked at there. And when you took out those two factors, the success rate went up to over 80%. And I think, um, you know, with CHL goalies, I think a lot of them are overvalued and too many of them are taking the first round. I think if you look at, um, if you look at how many goalies are taken from the CHL or Canadian goalies, that are taking the first round of the draft. Um, I think it's, I think it's about two thirds of goalies taking the first round are Canadian. We're only one third of goalies in the NHL out of the top 50 um, goalies and save percentage this past year are Canadian. So um, taking those guys out and taking guys that had uncharacteristically good um, international performances where they were better at like the world juniors and the U 18s than they were in their regular season, taking those guys out, the success rate went from 46 to well over 80%. I thought, um, you know, that that was really interesting. That was the big thing I focused on. Yeah. Diving into the CHL model, you, you suggested that this maybe isn't a good one for goaltenders because that leap from the CHL to the AHL is a really big one can you elaborate on that yeah so that was like my big gripe with the chl is that how goalies are forced to go straight from the chl to the ahl and so you're going from playing juniors against 16 to 20 year olds to playing against professional hockey players that have played their whole career um you know playing pro they're probably late 20s early 30s and the big difference you get um in that jump is speed and so pucks are moving around faster and, you know, you have to follow the puck quicker. So if you're not ready for that speed, then you're going to get lit up. And that's what happens to a lot of goalies. They get lit up right away, and then it hurts their confidence, and they don't end up coming back from that. And, um, you know, a, a kind of new thing that teams are starting to use is the ECHL. But in years past, the ECHL has kind of not been a good place to send your prospects just because it it's, hasn't been a high-quality league. The programs, the development wasn't good down there. And so goalies were getting sent straight to the AHL and they weren't ready for the change in pace. And, you know, the speed of shots gets talked a lot about, but I don't think that's the biggest issue. I think it's really like how fast a goalie has to move and react to passes and set up plays. And it really gets them off their game and it leads to just a lot of um, a lack of confidence. And, you know, and these goalies end up overwhelmed and just can't handle the change in speed that's so abrupt from the CHL to the AHL. That's interesting. Like, I, I also wonder, because I've heard a lot of anecdotes that a goalie can oftentimes see their numbers actually spike 
when they make the jump from the AHL to the NHL because there's so much more structure in the NHL. So I wonder if it's not just that jump in speed, but also the fact that the AHL is less structured. So you've got all this speed and all these, these kind of crazy chances happening around them and there's not enough structure for them to fall back on. So if they are getting lit up, then they're also like, they're just losing their confidence in crazy ways. And then they're, they're pros now. Right. And the schedule for the AHL can like, it's really erratic. You're either on the bus and, and then playing games or how much practice time is there as compared to, at lower levels and that sort of thing. So I wonder if it just isn't a great place for goalies to be developing. Yeah, and the HL is really, it's, it's unforgiving. You know, you're going from juniors where you're just playing for your program, you're not making any money, but now money's on the line and you have a pro contract and there's just all that pressure. And then you go to the AHL and it's not very structured, like you said, you know, juniors are very structured either, but um, it's actually less structured than the AHL, but the change in speed along with that lack of structure in the AHL can really like throws almost every goalie that goes there off. If you look at like Carter Hart, Carter Hart had a pretty tough start to his AHL career. So did Ilya Samsonov and now both went to the NHL and the numbers immediately went up because they got that. They got more confidence from seeing their defense be more structured and the speed change it's big, but it's not as big of a jump from CHL to AHL. And so a lot of times they can handle that and manage that better. So a lot of times you'll see prospects that we know are good, like Samsonov and Hart, struggle in the AHL, they got brought up, and then they'll have a better time playing in the NHL where they have better defensemen and better defensive structure and coaching. Interesting. Uh, I also just I, I wanted to, uh, to scratch that itch on the CHL model a little bit more. Do you think that, like I kind of think that the amount of practice time and the, the reduced schedules that they have in, say, like the, some of the European leagues, as well as in the NCAA, uh, do you think that getting all that extra practice time is really valuable for developing goaltender habits and reinforcing playing a, a more structured game that's going to get them ready for the NHL? I think a lot of that's dependent on how good the program you're playing is for. Because if you're playing for a program like London where you know they have a good development staff and they can handle a goalie right and you know develop him then yeah you want a lot of practice time but I think a big part of development is playing a lot of games the goalies that play a lot of games often make the biggest strides so I think well um, getting more practice time is good I think playing in a lot of games and getting that experience especially when you make a jump from like the CHL to AHL so in AHL if you're playing more games if you're playing a lot less games than you were in junior that can also hurt um, and so, like, if you're playing with a good program, like, if you look in Europe, um, Yaroslav Askarov, he didn't play a lot of games um, this year in his draft year, but he was also playing in the SKA system. So he got the coach coaching and resources from that team. And so, yeah, he only played, I think, around 20, a little over 20 VHL games in his whole season. He was also working with SKA St. Petersburg, their main KHL approach team and getting that extra development that developed a goalie like Igor Shesterkin who's now in the NHL and had like a 940 save percentage coming into the league so I think um, it, it kind of depends on where you are and what program you're playing for. Okay so you referenced SKA and London as a couple of good developmental programs 
Uh, are there any other really strong developmental programs? Like, would you focus a lot of your scouting resources uh, onto players coming out of specific programs then? Uh, it kind of depends, you know, there are always going to be players that end up on bad teams and they're still going to be good. Like I think Brandon Coe is, you know, a skater this year that ended up in North Bay, which is not a good development program. It's, you know, they've had a tough run in the past few years. So he's kind of flown under the radar. I think he's still like a player worth watching, a player worth drafting. But then again, I think players that are playing under a better system are going to do better. So I think if you look at programs like Frölunda in Sweden or Jur Gardens also in Sweden, and then like TPS and Liga, um, you know, those are places you want to look, SKA, CSK in Russia. And then, you know, the top junior programs like Oshawa, London, Kelowna, and a few others around, around Canada. And maybe if you look in the NCAA, like Michigan and Wisconsin are known to develop a lot of players really well. Um, so I think you do want to look for the, for the guys coming out of those programs that maybe they weren't as good before. And then they go into that program, they do a lot better to the development system. And maybe those are guys you want to take a shot on. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would think that you're probably going to be able to get a goalie from just about anywhere. But I was just curious if there was uh, if there was something that really stood out as as being like a a, a, pipe, a pipeline. Yeah, a hub that uh, that is consistently uh, churning out good talent. I think Russia's the Russian system in general has done a good job of that. Just like. I think they have they have three leagues. They have the MHL for juniors. They have the VHL. There's a middle pro league, and then they have their KHL pro league. And so I think looking at that league structure, that league structure is really good for goalies because the VHL, the VHL, and the MHL, the junior and their semi in their middle tier pro league, the jump isn't as big from like CHL to AHL. So goalies can work their way up. I think that's a really good system that's helped a lot of goalies coming up there. That maybe if they had to play in the CHL and jump to the AHL, they wouldn't have been as good. And that's really helpful. Sweden's similar with the Elsvenskan as their middle pro league. Um, Finland hasn't quite done a good job of that. Um, they have the Mestis, which is their second tier pro league, but it's kind of it's kind of just okay. But I think Russia, their system, especially if they're playing in a program like SKA, CSKA, Metalurg, Mag Magnitogorsk, they haven't produced a lot of goalies, but I like their system. I think those are places you want to look. Interesting. So how the hell do we? we break the, the wheel in North America and come up with a better system to bring these guys along. I don't, I'm not sure there is a better system. You know, I think maybe more goalies have to look towards going to the USHL and then NCAA where they can play later. So, you know, you're not making that jump right away to the AHL from junior. You can play till you're 18 USHL, go to college and kind of work your way up. If you're playing, you know, in a good conference, like the big 10 or hockey East, um, but there isn't really a good way to fix the CHL unless teams put more money into their ECHL team so that they're making the jump from the CHL to the ECHL instead. And that's a lesser jump. Goalies can have better time, but a lot of teams just aren't putting money into their ECHL programs. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard, hard bridge to walk, you know. It's tough to keep CHL teams happy where they're getting their good goalies and making their money and still trying to get your goalies, you know, developed. Okay, changing gears a little bit, you, you mentioned that the other part of the 
errors that teams are making with goalies is those those big performances in international tournaments and i've heard it referenced to basically like you you can almost make a ton of mistakes if if all you're doing is focusing on those big tournaments or maybe just you know almost ignore them entirely um do you think that the reverse for uh you know, big performances in international tournaments, like like a goalie like Askarov who played poorly at the World Juniors. Do you think it like the reverse is true where that's not going to be a big indicator? Um, I think if you look at how Askarov played at the World Juniors, to me it is actually a concern. I really like Askarov. He's in my top six for the draft. Um, but it is, it is concerning that, you know, he kind of got on that stage. He got all that attention and he kind of flopped. Um, and to me, that's concerning. But if you look at his general international play, he was very good. Like, he played at some, you know, friendly tournaments, you know, just, like, not, like, the big deal, like, the World Juniors. And he played extremely well. Like, he played with the U-20 team at the U-25 Nations. And I think he had, like, over a 940 save percentage. But, yeah, the World Juniors was a tough time for him. He did well at the U-18s, though. Um, and the other time he got put on a big stage is when he played – against HK Sochi in the KHL. He got one KHL game and did very well. So, you know, you kind of have to look at that and go, hmm, maybe this guy isn't quite the big-time performer, but I think he is. Um, unlike, you know, a guy like Carey Price who went to the World Juniors and, you know, he showed that he's, you know, rock solid in the head. You know, he can handle those big moments. So I think that's kind of something you got to look at, but it's not a huge red flag for me because, again, that's only, you know, a few games out of his entire season. Right. I, I thought it was an absolutely terrifying performance. Like he looked, I, I don't know if he's always that twitchy, but he looked like me, like waiting for a job interview or, or something like that. Like it was, it was mortifying. Yeah, he is a bit twitchy and he does give some people heart attacks by how, you know, he's always like moving his hands and getting, moving his body up and down. But that's, I think that's part of his style. Um, you know, he likes to you know, make quick jolty movements to look around screens and try to track the puck. Um, and his hands are very busy. And, you know, that's, that's one of my concerns with him. He's just generally a busy goaltender. He's making those quick, um, well, those quick, more precise movements, but not necess necessarily necessary. So I think that's one thing you kind of got to look at. But um, I don't see it as big as you. I think it's part of his style. I think it's, it's worked well for him in the VHL and the MHL, even in the KHL. So, you know, it's, it's something we're looking at, but it's not a huge concern to me. Okay. Do you think a team would get their hands on them and be like, you stop that right now and start playing more normal? I think it depends on the goalie coach you have at your team, you know. I think every goalie coach has a different philosophy. And I think if that's something that's, that's working for him, if he can show it works, it, if he can show that it works for him, then I think it's something that he keeps. But generally, yeah, he should try to quiet down his game. And I think that might be what a team tries to tell him to do. And with how twitchy he is, you play goalie. So you could, like, can you imagine what that might do to you biomechanically? Like, feel like with, with how twitchy he is, he's going to end up getting hurt. I don't think that's too big. Uh, I don't know. That, that, I haven't thought about that. that. I don't think that getting an injury because of that is going to be too problematic. Um, it could wear him out, you know, over the course of a game. He gets tired at the end, but I haven't really seen that. Like, you know, he, I haven't seen him getting tired at the end of the games or anything. That could happen in the NHL, I guess. But like, as a goalie, I'm, I'm more calm, and I don't like to – I only make, you know, 
short movements if I need to. So that's not something I do, but I've seen other goalies do it. I've seen it work, but I, I don't know if that could be an issue. I just feel like that, that super twitchy thing is like that would, that would work against someone who's terrible at hockey like myself. Whereas you get to the pros and those guys are just going to eat you up, but maybe he's going to find a way to, I don't don't know, win that chess match and make it work for him at the highest level. Yeah. That's something you got to hope for that, you know, that, that works for him rather than against him. But I think like generally the counter to that is that his movements are very precise. You know, he's accurate with how he moves his hands. His body control is very good. So well, he might be making a lot of those movements. In the end, he's ending up in the right place almost every time. So, you know. So would you draft him in the first round? Yeah, I, I have him at six right now. So I'd take him in the top ten. Um, I, I, I really do think he's the next big thing in the net. And, like, if you look at the history, you know, one of the out- things I outlined in my article is that, like, you know, only three goalies that didn't have those – international performance um like over performances or from from the chl only three of them didn't work out out of all the goalies in the 20 years so you know statistically it'd be an anomaly if he didn't work out and the chances he does are very high and you know i i I do like his game i like how he plays um i wrote another article for beer league heroes about where i break broke down his game and talked about the things i really liked um i think that's you know, I'm, I'm high on him. I think he's going to be a really good goalie. Interesting. So, you know, the, the sample size in, in your study, ultimately it's, it's kind of small, but it sounds like you're pretty confident uh, with, with the trend patterns that you've noticed here. Is this something that you're going to be continually tracking as we go forward? Yeah, you know, it's a slow process. And so you only add a few more goalies each year, but and, you know, you got to wait for them to develop and see if they actually work out. But, yeah, I used a 20-year sample size, so I kind of looked at all the goalies I really could and, you know, kind of the modern, you know, era of goaltending. And so I think I got a pretty good sample size, but, you know, there's always open for mistakes. And, you know, nothing I do is perfect. You know, I'm not working for an IHL team. I'm doing this in my room while I'm quarantined. So I'm pretty confident in what I saw, but, you know, nothing's 100%. Right. So navigating kind of the, the pattern that you've, you've seen, we could probably root out uh, a handful of goalies, you know, kind of eliminate them from consideration to be picked in the first round. But, you know, I've been doing these redraft pods and it seems like every year there's three or four goalies that end up, they, they work out really well. And if you find a goalie that works out really well, the value is immense. So should, if teams can do a better job of scouting this stuff, like they should be drafting more goalies in the first round, right? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the NHL has been putting out their redrafts. You know, they're not that great, but I, I, I would don't always agree with them. But there are always a ton of goalies in the top 10 just because of how valuable the goaltending position is. And if you look at a lot of them, um, a lot of them are – you know, European goalies that kind of didn't get that attention because they played in Europe. Maybe they didn't get to play it or not. International competition where they got seen. And also CHL goalies who played for really bad teams and that just didn't have a good time, um, you know, on, on their team and just kind of had a rough go in their draft year. 
And so I think if you can, if you really think that a goalie is going to work out, then you should take them higher. But then again, like if you don't think they're going to go before your third round pick, then just take them with your third. Don't bother with the first. So don't make the mistake that I did. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, is there a team that kind of stands out to you as doing it the best with their drafting and development of goaltenders? Um, I can't really say there's one team that stands out as that's done a really good job. There are a few that stand out and done a really bad job, like uh, Florida. Florida's developed zero starting goaltenders in their entire franchise history. Their closest was, I think, Markstrom, but they traded him to Vancouver and he became a starter there, not in um, – not in Florida. So I was kind of concerned when they took Knight just because like he'd be the first goalie they've ever developed into a starter. So that's a little concerning, but I haven't really seen one team that does it extremely well. You know, I've, I've kind of grown to really like what the Blue Jackets have got going on. It seems like right now their, their pipeline is, is blowing up. And it seems like it kind of starts in and around when Yarmo Kikalainen takes over in 2012. That's the draft yeah. that they, they take Dansk, but then they also take Corpusalo in, in the third round. And it seems like, I think it was Ian Clark was their, their main goalie coach. And with him, they, they go after Sergei Bobrovsky and, and they really, they coach him up and turn him into the best goalie in the league for a while there. And they've got Manny Legacy. He was their minor league goalie coach, but since Clark has moved on, Legacy is now their their main guy in the NHL. And they brought in the the legendary Jim Corsi as their minor league guy. So it seems like, you know, they're they're empowering their their in-house goalie experts to every single year. They, you know, tar- target guys in the draft, big athletes. And then once we get them in-house, we're going to invest man hours at every level to develop these guys. And it seems like they've kind of got it figured out. Like they're not hitting 100%, but they've got a loaded pipeline. Yeah, that's actually a team that I should I should point out. They, they are a really good goaltending development program. So if you look at – and I think that is is because of Jarmo Kekalainen. If you look at him, I think he's the only European G- – no. Yeah, is he the only European GM in the league? Well, he might be. And if you look at their goaltending chart, all uh, five of their signed goaltenders are all European. Um, I think Kekalainen is Finnish. They have Jonas Korpisalo, who's Finnish, and Vinny Vevelainen, who's also Finnish. And then they have two Latvians and a Russian. You know, those are all European goaltenders. I think that's – I think Europe in general is a huge market inefficiency when it comes to a draft. Teams don't know enough about Europe and then their junior systems. And, you know – like there's some NHL teams with two European scouts to scout all of Europe. And I highly doubt any one of those two European scouts are a goaltending scout. And I think Columbus has their eyes there and is looking at the goalies and they've done a great job. Jonas Corposalo um, is good. Merz Lickens, obviously he did great. And then Vinny Vevelainen. I really like Vinny Vevelainen. Um, he's shorter. So he flew under the radar. He's only six one, but he, was phenomenal the past like four years in, in the Finnish Finnish Pro League. He last season, well, this past season he played in the AHL, but the season before that he played for a Carpat and he put up a 9.33 and a 9.25 in his last two seasons. Then he before that he played for 
Yippie Vesco on Sport. I mean, both times he put up a higher than 920 save percentage in his early 20s, late teens, while being a 6-1 goaltender playing in Finland. And I think that's really remarkable. And I was shocked no team drafted him during that time. And then, you know, Columbus ends up getting his rights. They see that and they bring him over. I think he's going to be like a future, at, like at least fringe starting goaltender playing in the NHL. They also have Mattis Kivel, Kiv, I can't pronounce his name. Matisse <laughs> but, um, Kivleniaks? Kiv, Kiv, yeah, Kivleniaks. Latvian. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Latvians <laughs> there. I don't know. Yeah, he play, also played in Cleveland in the NHL, but he got a few games. He did okay, almost at a 900, but, you know, he's 23, getting his first six games in the NHL. Like, what do you expect to play in the ECHL for part of the season last year? But, you know, he looks like he's, you know, he's got something going there. And then they got Daniel Tarasov, who is Russian, he, but he's playing in the Finnish league this past season. Um, and, you know, he did okay, but I think there's – a lot of hope with where he could go in the next few years. And they're all young. They're all in their early 20s. I think Corpusalo is the oldest. He's 26, and then all of them are like 23 and 21. Yeah, it's they're absolutely blowing up, and they're not really paying them all that much. So it, it seems like they're set up for the future to be able to run that 1A, 1B, and, and never really spend on goaltending for Yeah, Corpusal is the only one making over a million dollars. He's making 1.1, and the rest of them are all, all on ELCs, making 9.25 and below. I think Merzlikens also has uh, two-plus million kicking in next year. He just Oh, that kicks in next year. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the, the point holds. Like, they're spending less than – what the Oilers are spending on Miko Koskinen on both yeah, of their that's ridiculous. <laughs> and another thing, they're also all like they're also all smaller. I think Corpusal and Murph Lincoln, they're both six three. And usually teams cut it off like, oh, if you're six two and below, we're not gonna draft you, we're not gonna take you in our program. You're too small for the NHL. And they've kind of said, no, we'll take these smaller guys and we'll give them a shot. And I do think like that's that's a really good way to look at it. I think size is a bit overrated. When it comes to NHL goalies, like I think the leader in save percentage this year was uh, Hudobin, who's I think he's five eleven, and you know I think I saw a tweet not too long ago that said goalies over six four have a lower save percentage than goalies under and that that are are and below six feet, and so I think um, shorter goalies are a huge market inefficiency. Teams are looking at them, but they're doing very well. One guy coming up is Carter Hart. I'm a big fan. He played the Everett Silver Tips this past year. And he was taking the seventh round by Calgary. I had him in my, I think, early second round. I think you mean uh, Dustin Wolf, right? Yeah, that's just something else. Dustin Wolf. Yeah, you, you, uh, you said Carter Hart, but uh, we'll oh, just clarify yeah. that one. Yeah, Carter yeah. Hart on my mind. He's easy enough to make that mistake. They're both really good goalies, right? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of both of them. I got a Carter Hart jersey hanging in my room right now from the that's, Silver Tips. So. That is an excellent piece of uh loot you got there yeah my favorite jersey i have yeah looks super nice have you gotten it signed yet uh no i haven't haven't gotten a chance to see him play he only played in uh i'm in chicago and philadelphia only plays here twice a year i missed both games wanted to go but couldn't be there yeah that's too bad um i i want to bring up this guy's story did you end up including dan blackburn on your bust list 
Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, that was pointed out to me. He was one of the guys that had a injury history, right? Yeah, his story is insane. So I, I've already told this story on the pod before, but I'm going to do it again because I don't think it gets told enough. It's it's crazy. So, you know, he gets he gets drafted, I think, like 11th overall in 01 by the Rangers. They rush him to, straight to the NHL at 18, and he's kind of their, their 1B goalie. Uh, under 900 save percentage, but he's he plays well enough to make the all-rookie team. He has a similar type of year in his sophomore year, and then leading up to his third season, he hurts his shoulder lifting in training camp, and then it gets worse once they get on the ice. He misses the whole year, ends up getting surgery to repair the nerve in his shoulder, and it just doesn't come back. The, the muscles atrophy to the point where he's got a dent in his back what? <laughs> and he can't rotate his glove hand to, to make the, the high glove save. So it's like your career's over, but Glenn Sather proposes that you're still a good athlete. You could still stop pucks. Why don't you throw on two blockers and give that a try? Oh, I have heard about this. So he gets approval to try out a second blocker and he starts making a comeback in the ECHL, but like ultimately he's, he's not that good there either. And I think he, he kind of ends up giving it up because insurance isn't going to cover him if he, if he keeps playing. So he ends up giving up the dream, but just insane. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's one of the things I also didn't look at was injuries and there are a few guys that did bust out because of injuries, like Blackburn. I'm actually looking at one of the photos from the ACHL wearing two blockers. That's that's crazy. But, um, you know, there are a few guys like Rick T. Beatrice was one guy I talked about. I still don't think he really would have been – he really would have worked out as a first overall pick if he didn't have those injuries. I talked a little bit about projecting that out in the article. And, yeah, that is a crazy story. Coming back and trying to play in the ACHL after that, I don't know. That's why. Would you ever play with two blockers? I would not. I well, actually, I'm my glove hand isn't that great. I make a lot of glove saves, but I have a hard time keeping them in there. So maybe I'd try that someday. Yeah, well, you wonder if you if you're being forced to make all those glove saves if they, if they're not picking on you there. Yeah, they probably pick on you a little bit. It's just hard to like get the blocker in the right spot without like flipping your hand over and taking one in the palm if you don't have a stick in the hand. So right. you know. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned with DiPietro, he was another injury guy and he does have one really good season for the Islanders. It should be mentioned. And then he gets that fat 15 year contract that he's still getting paid on. Um, (laughs) and then it all kind of falls apart. So, uh, but I do think that maybe if he doesn't get rushed along that he, he could have been a bit more of a success story as well. Cause he was really good, but he got injured like crazy. Yeah. I, I don't like goalies getting rushed, and I think if you're a teenager, you should not be playing in the NHL as a goalie ever. But, you know, once you hit 20, I think you can enter the league, you know, like Samsonov and, uh, and Hart entered. I think Samsonov was 21, Hart was 20. Um, I think that's when you can start to enter. But if you're entering as a teenager, if you're trying to play NHL goalie as a teenager and you're having, like, Austin Matthews and Alexander Ovechkin shooting bucks at you, that's – one, that's horrifying. Two, you're just not ready for that. That, that should never happen. And so I, I assume your answer is going to be that it, that it all depends on, uh, like, everyone's going to be different. But um, 
do you think there's kind of an optimal timeline? Because I've heard the theory that teams are too patient with bringing their goaltenders along. Yeah, it does depend. It kind of depends on where you're playing. So if you're, you know, playing pro in Russia, maybe you can make the jump earlier because you've played pro in the KHL. But then again, Russian contracts and the lack of a agreement between the KHL and the NHL to, you know, transfer players over means that goalies end up coming later, you know, coming in their mid-20s. But, you know, if you're playing in this, in this um, NCAA and you're going to the AHL, you might want a little more time in the AHL. If you're coming from junior, you definitely want a lot more time in the AHL, unless, you know, you're an exception like, you know, Hart. But, um, yeah, it's different for every guy, but generally, like, your top, top guys, like your Vasilevskis, you know, those guys can enter at 20, but most goalies should come in around 22 to 23. Interesting. Uh, so what goalies should we be on the lookout for in 2020? Do you have any other goalies other than Askarov who should go in the first round? Um, no one in the first round, but I do have a few guys coming up a little later in the second round. So one of the guys is Joel Blomquist. He plays for the Carpats junior team in the Finnish, in the Finnish junior league. Um, and he's done very well. I think he had a above a 9.30 save percentage as an 18-year-old one. I think he won top goalie in the league, and he did really well. Carpat's also a good team, though, so he had a lot of support. I think that's, you know, one guy you definitely got to look out for. I think he should be the second goalie taken. Third goalie I'd have would be Drew Camesso. He grew on me over the past, you know, year. I wasn't very high on him. Um, he plays for the NTDP team, so when he was on the U17 team, he had a lot of problems. But this year, he really refined his game, and I think he can – go in the second round. And then the last guy I talk about would be Arthur Akatimov. He plays in Russia for, um, for Kazan. And I think I haven't, I've barely seen him rank anywhere by any like major outlets. I know like a few people on Twitter rank him, but you know, I think he could, he had a really good save percentage. He played really well. His game is a little questionable. He's very busy. Um, he's not as quite as refined, but I think he's a worth a guy worth taking a shot at in the second and third round. Uh, so Columbus is going to take him in the seventh. Yeah, probably. So <laughs> and then one guy I'd look out for, or, yeah, there are a few guys I'd look for, out for in 2021. The big one is Jesper Wallstead. I think he's not quite as good as Askar, but I think he's up there. He's in my top 15. Um, and he's going to play in the Swedish Pro League next year as a 17, 18-year-old. Um, his pro team, Lilia, actually just moved out of goalie, so he could have a spot on the team. And, um, you know, if you have a 18-year-old goalie playing pros, then I think you should look at him hard in the top 15, you know, first half of the first round. Interesting. And you could probably speak to this better than I can, but as I understand it, 2021 isn't as exciting a draft class as, say, this one is. So maybe he's the type of guy who could push the top 10. Yeah, I think, you know, you don't have a top talent like a Byfield or Lafreniere, but I think you have some pretty solid players up there. Um, there, are, there are a lot of guys that are kind of in that second tier, so there's like one to like 40 ranges, all really close. They're all super good, um, but that area is strong, but there's no one really at the top. Like the top guy right now, according to most people, is Atu Ratu, he plays for Carpat in Finland, and he's – I'd rank him below Gundler if I have Gundler at, I think, eight. 
Um, I'd rank him like below Gunler, Holtz, Lundell, all those guys. And he's going to be the, he's the consensus first right now, but that can change because everyone's kind of so close, but the draft is really deep. And so I think Wallstead can really make a jump up there. Interesting. And is Ratu, is he, he played on the world junior team, correct? Yeah, he did. Okay. And is he a, like, is he a late 92? Uh, he's a, he's a late 02, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So he's older than most of them. I think, like, if you look at the other guys, they're 03, so they're a lot younger, like Brent Clark, who's playing in Barry, Kent Janssen, he's actually an older 02. And then, like, Luke Hughes, um, brother of Jack and Quinn, he's, um, he's one of the youngest guys in the draft. I think he can really get up there just because, like, you know, he's so young, he's got so much potential. But, uh, yeah, that's up in the air. Mm, so it sounds like people are going to start flying by uh, Ratu there. Yeah, it could happen. Interesting. So, Max, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for filling me in on on all the stuff that kind of went into the background of your story on, on goaltenders and why they bust in the first round so often. Everyone should check that out. Do you have anything to plug for us? Oh uh, yeah, thanks. My Twitter account is which is where all I, I do all my stuff at. TPE hockey, no space, no underscore. Um, and yeah, you can catch up with me there and find all my stuff on my page. Right on. I, I just realized today that somehow I had stumbled upon your work without following you. So I'm going to join the masses in following you. And I'm excited <laughs> to see what you cook up next because for me, goaltenders are voodoo. I'll never draft them in the first round <laughs> of a fantasy league again because I just don't understand them. So thank goodness there are, uh, there are crazy goaltenders like you who can uh, help inform us. Yeah. Leave the goal, leave the goaltending stuff to the goalies, you know, we'll take care of it. But you guys, you know, do whatever with your skaters. <laughs> right on. All right. Thanks again, Max. And no problem. All right, everyone. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stick tap to our guest, Max Lee. You can find him on Twitter at TPE Hockey and check out his work over at the Prospect Network. Uh, really happy to have a goalie on the pod, someone who can discuss for us some of the voodoo that takes place at that position. And he gave us a few names to check out and research for the upcoming draft as well as the 2021 draft whenever these happen to take place. So really hope you enjoyed the show. And please like, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. 